Welcome, it's the Mend Podcast. New year, new start. It is the third week of January. This is the time of year I think we all kind of look back at the last year and figure out what went right, what went wrong. <laughs> a lot of stuff went wrong for a lot of people, unfortunately, uh, in 2020. But uh, in all frankness, I got nothing to complain about here. We got to, well, fishing did get closed for like five weeks. We couldn't fish even public water, uh, mandatory stay-at-home closures. That part really kind of sucked. But uh, <laughs> once we came out of that, season was great. We had a, we had a good year, um, thanks to all the people who shop with us. Uh, just kind of why I do this podcast a little bit. I love fly fishing and I love chatting about fly fishing, but I also want to have a good business too. So make sure you guys are shopping at Reds. Uh, man, we are just, we've got our stuff together. Uh, you know, if you order stuff from us, I mean, 99% of our orders are going out like same day, fast, efficient, accurate. Uh, you know, we still make a mistake and once in a while we accidentally oversell, but we've got a big inventory. So, um, shop with confidence. The other thing, uh, is I'm going to get the podcast going, uh, in great frequency again, uh, for 2021. Uh, it's one of my commitments to you guys is, uh, just to stay in touch and keep bringing you fishing intel. Um, a couple other things before I get into today's topic, which is going to be, don't forget about the strike indicator. Uh, but a couple other things is we are kicking off, um, something we call, it's our Light Tackle Express. So we can ship small FedEx boxes uh, today for cheap. So no matter where you live in the country, you can get, uh, for things like fly lines, tippet, flies, leaders, indicators, small tackle items, as long as it's a small item, it should at checkout, you have an option for $12.99 two-day air. That is two-day FedEx Express shipping, no matter where you live. And you can't drive across town for 13 bucks hardly. Uh, so for 13 bucks, you get two day air. Um, and that works really good for people who live, um, outside the Northwest. If you live in the Northwest ground shipping is getting it there in a day or two anyways. But, uh, anyway, light tackle express, if you're buying small stuff from reds, you should see that. Uh, anyway, uh, the other thing is the blog is back for 2021. That is one thing I got. I did fishing reports really good last year, but I'm going to get back to reviewing product and actually getting some articles up on the blog. And uh, and I'll also post uh, supporting information for these podcasts up on the blog too. So that's my other New Year's resolution as the blog is back. Uh, personal resolutions. Shoot, I hadn't even really thought about that. I don't know. Maybe that's time for a different podcast. Uh, try to spend time with my kids lose a couple pounds. I don't know. Uh, fish more. Oh, that'd be, that'd be good. I don't know how I could do that one though. I fish a lot. Uh, well, let's get into today's topic. So today's topic is talking about not forgetting about the strike indicator. So I've gotten pretty hooked on, you know, whatever you want to call it, contact nymphing, tight line nymphing, check nymphing, Euro nymphing, ESN, ninja nymphing, whatever you want to call it. Basically, it is kind of direct line nymphing. I like that name, direct line nymphing. So I have uh, essentially fishing without an indicator. It's, it's, although you do at times may have a little bit of slack, I'm really pretty much directly connected uh, with my fly on tension that is really just 
it's kind of neutral tension because the tension's coming downstream. So although the line is taut, the fly is still moving freely, and that's really the art behind it. So check nymphing, direct line nymphing, whatever. It, it's kind of taken the fly fishing market and just the world, the, I would say the Western world by storm, especially out here in the West. We have not really used, you know, direct line nymphing strategies very often. Um, I tried it, you know, I'll kind of give you my rundown. I tried it about 10 years ago and just sucked at it. I didn't have the right setup. I didn't have a good mentor. And I was like, man, this is just a terrible way to fish. It, not only is it not that fun, it's just not very effective. Well, I didn't know what I didn't know. And uh, I was doing it wrong. Didn't, didn't, you know, didn't really become a student of the game and sucked at it. And then about five years ago, uh, I really started to make a concerted effort to get good at it because I saw it as a really exceptional tool for do-it-yourself anglers fishing some of these intelligent and well-educated public water trout. So uh, I got into it more for them um, to teach it. And, and you know, my alter ulterior motive was to sell tackle and empower anglers to have more success so that they wind up shopping with reds more. Well, I didn't didn't plan on what happened next was I got hooked head over heels uh, for this this new new to me style of nymphing. But what I want to remind people is that you can't you can't just get into a certain discipline. I don't care what it is. It could be indicator nymphing, spay fishing, streamer fishing, whatever. In this case, direct line nymphing. You, you can't forget that it's just one of many tools. And what I'm seeing a lot of as anglers just kind of really shunning the idea that strike into, you know, well, I see two things. One is people come into direct line nymphing with this expectation that they're just going to take the, you know, they're basically going to catch every fish in the river. And just because they're standing there with the right rod, the right line and fly, that they're going to catch fish like an expert does. And that it could not be further from the truth. I see a lot of anglers in my clinics that they've had a little bit of success and they think they're they think they're fishing right and they think they're doing it right, but they still don't know what they don't know. And uh, don't get into the the direct line nymphing because you think you're going to catch a bazillion fish. Just get into it because it is a great tool for when you step into a piece of water and you don't have access to fishing an enormous amount of water if you can fish out of a drift boat with a with a thingamabob or a big hopper dropper and cover 10 or 15 miles you don't need to have direct line nymphing skills you're probably going to be able to catch enough fish let's just say there's the yakima river this is a tough river it's a big swift you know stream and it sounds like a lot there's 1500 trout per mile here uh, a lot less than a lot of big western rivers but if you float 10 miles, you get to float by 15,000 trout. You know, you can catch enough trout just being aggressive and throwing big attractors and covering a lot of water. But let's just say you're a do-it-yourself angler and you're on foot. And you only have access to walk into a few spots a day. Direct line nymphing could be really effective because you're able to surgically, you know, surgically work those fish or, or take those fish out of the run um, just because your presentation's so good. So... There, there's times for both. So I see a lot of people get into the direct line nymphing and they're like, they think they're going to be, you know, catching a lot. And then all of a sudden, you know, their expectations get just 
steamrolled by reality and they're like, okay, this is hard. It's a new thing for me. And again and again and again in my clinics, you know, all, you know, the clinics we do are fish alongs. And so people come and I fish a little bit or Curtis or Colton or Eric or, you know, Mike or one of the other guys. There's a handful of us that do the Euro fish alongs. And, you know, the, the students will fish a little bit and the students will have trouble, you know, getting fish. And we'll fish a little bit. We'll even, you know, borrow their rod to kind of show them a couple of tips and show them how it's supposed to look. And boom, we'll just stick a fish almost immediately a lot of the time, you know, after they've, you know, slid their flies through there a few times. Because the littlest, the littlest maneuvers can make all the difference in that kind of nymph fishing. So I think that people, two things that I want to unpack, go into that kind of nymphing, understanding that it's, there's a learning curve to it. And two, don't forget about your bobber. Um, or uh, as George Daniels calls him, and I, I read his book uh, over Thanksgiving, uh, must be a second book. I can't remember the title, so forgive me uh, if, if anybody sends this to George to listen to. Uh, I, I will probably butcher this, but it, I believe it was his second book that he's written. I cannot remember the title at this time. Uh, but I read about 75% of it Thanksgiving weekend. It was really great. Um, I, I totally recommend that book. But um, he used the term suspender uh, in lieu of bobber uh, or indicator a lot. And I think that's a really uh, probably the most accurate uh, term. Um, but suspenders can be really effective. I mean, uh, I'm going to use that term, suspenders, okay? Suspenders, whether it's New Zealand, a you know, wool or a poly yarn. I like tying in a little strand of poly yarn for my suspenders a lot. Uh, it could be a thingamabobber style. It could be a cork. A cork. Um, it could be a, a pulse, a pinch on, whatever it is. It, it could be a you know traditional corky. Uh, it's a suspender, and I, and I think you probably need to dedicate a whole podcast. This is, I kind of want to give you a few tips and just tell you not to forget about the indicator and weigh out why indicators and when, if you are fishing, that they can be an advantage. But it doesn't matter what kind it is. There's going to be a lot of situations that you find yourself in where a suspender is going to be an advantage. And uh, over the course of the last 30 days, uh, we've had really mild weather and I've actually been on the water quite a bit. And I've seen situations where direct line nymphing just simply wasn't the best idea. And uh, and using a suspender and indicator was a, was a better plan. And one of those situations are during the wintertime and early spring, you know, this could go all the way into March or even April, is a lot of these trout are going to be sitting in the bigger, more open spaces. And they're going to be looking for some thermal refuge. So they want a bigger hole where they can get down a little deeper and closer to the inner, what's called interflow, which is uh, essentially springs that there's water flowing through and out of the gravel. And some of that water can be a few degrees warmer than the surface water. So um, they, they kind of crowd in around some of that interflow. They get down a little deeper and they're a little bit less likely to be positioned, say, in a riffle or in some pocket water or in an ambush point where fish are a little bit more reactionary and you can drop a fly in and bring it to the fish and the fish doesn't see the fly hit the water and start sinking. So picture a large pool and picture a, a direct line nymphing cast, which is generally a is generally a pretty short and controlled cast. So you drop your fly in, it begins to sink, 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 sink in deeper water. 
Um, direct line nymphing can be pretty tough because you got a lot of tippet you're hanging down there through the water trying to maintain control. And the fish sees the fly sink and the fly is falling, falling, falling right in front of them because you're casting or your ability to hold a long linear presentation is very limited. So big pools. Uh, I have found it very difficult to fish these tight line or direct line or contact setups through a lot of those bigger pools. Whereas I can take a, a light yarn indicator, really light, as sparse as I can get it and still maintain good buoyancy, a long piece of tippet, and I can throw that 30, 40 feet upstream, give it a mend, get it set up, and I can do this really long, sneaky delivery of a suspended nymph float, free-floating in the column at a very fixed depth in those big open pools. So uh, I have seen the indicator out fish uh, direct line a lot in those big open pools. And uh, so I want you to keep that in mind. Um, the other situation uh, is when you're trying to reach seams that are further out and control a drift. So let's just say you're on a mid-sized um, stream or a large creek and uh, something where you can cast all the way across to the other, the far seam lines, maybe not all the way to the bank, but the other seam lines. It's really tough to get those almost down and across, you know, working over the top of really swift water to other seams. Just picture yourself, generally what you'll do is you'll work up the near side of a stream and you'll work upstream. And then when it comes time to, to fish the far side, then you'll fish the far seams on kind of an across and down um, tends to be the best strategy uh, to, to take a river apart. So when you try to reach across to those farther seams, you might, if you can't wade all the way over there, which is very common in a large creek or a mid-sized stream, you're going to need to reach across multiple layers of current. And when you do that, it's really, you can't feed line with the direct line nymphing setup. Um, but you can certainly feed line with the suspender. You know, I can get that cast set up. I can, I can mend it or walk it back to the seam by raising my rod tip drop my rod tip and release slack to that nymph, let the indicator float right over the top of the nymph, and then I can actually put a little back pressure on the indicator to keep it moving a little slower so that the, the nymph being in slower currents down in the bottom half of the water column is matched by my suspender up top, and I can control the speed of that and feed it line downstream, getting a long drift across multiple speeds of current that I can't wade over to. So I've seen that just recently, I've seen that be an issue um, several times. Um, the other the other two situations are that I have found uh, is wind. Wind can wreak extreme havoc on a direct line nymphing setup because you will get wind sway in, in, on your leader and that wind there's ways to use it to aid in your presentation and, and help your lead if it's a slight downstream wind. But when it's gusting and swirling and, and the wind is a little vicious, which it can often be, on a, on a tight line nymph setup, there's only so much you can do to combat that. You know, naturally, it just experience and skill and, and really trying to, to just buckle down and, and, and grind away at it and, I guess, act a little bit like a fullback and just keep moving that ball up the field inch by inch and eventually you'll score. There's certainly value in grinding away in bad conditions. And I'll make this statement. Like if you can remember something from this podcast is 
you have to fish hard in bad conditions if you ever want to get better at fishing in general. I've said this about dry fly fishing. And I was recently on a podcast, I don't know if it's released yet, The Wet Fly Swing with Dave Stewart. Dave does a really nice job with his podcasts. Um, go listen to that. You should listen to that one too. Don't forget about me. Uh, but I said this and that, and it's if you want to be good at dry fly fishing, you have to dry fly fishing when when you assume or think the dry fly fishing is bad because you'll learn to make the perfect presentation and eventually work some fish up that require the most perfect presentation. If we only dry fly fish during hopper season when you can just, or the fish are actively rising, you can just slap the fly in and have success. You're not going to get very good at it. So you should still grind away in the wind a little bit so you can figure out how to make it work. But that wind is going to create wreak havoc on you. You can you can try to use the wind to increase your lead and control it that way. Uh, if if this all sounds foreign to you, don't worry. We'll move beyond the tight line nymphing stuff, and we'll talk about your precious bobber here in just a second. But um, the other one is you can increase your anchor fly weight, run a really heavy anchor, and and um, nearly a weightless tag, and really bury that anchor fly in and let it tap the brakes for you and help control the wind. Uh, but you, you're, you're still going to be kind of grinding away a little bit. So in wind, a lot of times I'll take and I'll run strike indicators because I can get my fly line down on the water. My indicator should be, you know, fairly low profile in windy conditions. And that wind is not going to have nearly the adverse impact on the presentation of a strike indicator or suspender as it is a tight line presentation. So, uh, windy conditions are one. And then uh, the last situation where that suspender is going to be invaluable is there are times when those fish just really want suspended insects. And I have seen it, you guys, where I'm getting I'm getting pretty proficient with my, my check rods. You know, I, I'm not nearly as good as, as people who fish in the competitions and there there's no pressure like competition to make you better at something. I admire the heck out of those guys of of, of doing that. And I, I, I'm sure they'd kick my butt, um, you know, in one of those tournaments, but I'm pretty good with a, with a, with a direct line nymphing setup, but I've been out when my, I can't get them on the check style. I just, the, I'm fishing underneath the trout and I've tried moving my, my tag or my top fly up and it doesn't work. And I, I, Either I'm guiding when this happens, or maybe I'm guiding some check anglers or doing it myself, but there are times when I'm fishing under the trout, and those trout, due to pressure changes or hatches or water conditions, I think there's sometimes when there's uh, water conditions that are such that those fish want to be high in the column. You know, I've seen it on a rising river happen like that before, where there's just a lot of food floating high in that column. Those nymphs decided they were all going to go swimming and, and go for a little ride down or across river. And man, those fish want to pick them up, up above their heads. And I've seen it like that where you want not bouncing bottom with your, your indicator. It is a suspender. I guess part of kind of the root of the word of why I like it so much is it is supposed to suspend things. So you can drift those nymphs up above the trout and provide them a nice silhouette of which to float up, grab it, and take that suspender down with them, and you have a really nice positive hookup. So it, it there's also a term called short line nymphing, uh, where you're intentionally keeping your fly away from the bottom to draw trout up. They grab your fly, 
and then they take they dunk that suspender bobber indicator whatever you want to call it they take it down on a really nice firm take and they always hook up really good when you can catch them like that so uh, back eddies at the end of a mayfly hatch come to mind uh, low light um, there are many times in low flat dark or bad light that those trout just see the fly better when it's halfway up the water column i've seen it like that many times so there are a lot of situations when that strike indicator is going to be uh more effective i i just feel like that indicator is being forgotten a little bit and i think people um in fact i'm going to post a blog article and with this podcast at redsflyshop.com slash blog this afternoon and i'm going to provide kind of a supplemental video about indicators and the different types of indicators uh, or suspenders that people should have and I use indicators on uh, my Euro rods all the time. Uh, it works really good, and I guide a lot like that too. Where I'll, I'll give my clients a ten and a half foot rod and put a little New Zealand style. I I much prefer yarn to uh, corkies or thingamabobber styles. Um, I much prefer the New Zealand system. I think really light indicators and light fluorocarbon tippet that that the nymph can pull through the current fast and a really quality tungsten jig nymph sinks surprisingly fast. And I think that that indicators are often oversized. Uh, naturally, if you're running a larger stonefly nymph, you need a bigger indicator, etc. Just watch the little video that I'll plug into the blog alongside this for information on indicators. But if you can use the New Zealand style system, or even you can overhand a strand of polypropylene yarn into your leader. There, there are ways to set up nymphs where you can throw these really light, delicate nymph rigs and still get that fly down where it needs to go. And the lighter that indicator is, the more the fly can steer your indicator or your suspender versus your suspender indicator bobber steering your nymph. You want the nymph to control the speed of that drift is, is ultimately why that New Zealand style system, if you're fishing lighter nymphs, not a lot of weight, not fishing big stonefly nymphs, ultimately is the best system. Um, just look at what they do in New Zealand. They pick out one giant fish. They want to get the best possible drift over that giant fish. They take a, a little New Zealand wool or yarn rig and put a put a nymph underneath it and did drift it right over that trout and uh, uh, I'm gonna wrap this up because I want to keep these sub 30 minutes uh, going forward so you can just digest the information you get but what I want you to picture is if you have a place that you like to fish you know there are trout there just the same way they do it in New Zealand except their water clarity allows them to see these fish you might fish places like I do I have my river right now is turbid. It's got about 18 inches to two feet of visibility, but I still know spots where there, there are fish and you can treat those situations as though you're sight casting the way you would in New Zealand, Chile, or Spring Creek. Um, you can run a single small nymph under a New Zealand rig. They float really well and you're going to see almost every single take on that nymph because the suspender is very sensitive. Um, it's going to follow the fly. And then the moment that fish floats up, grabs the nymph, and floats back down, it's going to take that indicator with it. And you'll have 
very positive affirmation at the very instant that fly takes the nymph. So don't forget about your indicator. Um, other small tips are, you know, fluorocarbon tip, it's essential. Um, 5X is kind of the go-to for all nymphs in that 16 to 12, even 10 range for me. I run a lot of 5X. Don't be scared of the 6X. Um, and lighter tippet sinks faster. Uh, 3X and 4X tippet doesn't get taken down by the nymph nearly as fast because it's thicker and it's stiffer. So uh, blog is back. Podcast is back. We're going to hit it hard in 2021. If you're still listening, use promo code PODBEAN21. I'll leave that active through March uh, 31st, and I'm going to give you 10% off your order for listening to the first podcast in 2021. Again, that promo code is, uh, actually let's do podcast 21. Cause I forget this post to Apple too. So podcast 21, that's your promo code. 10% off expires March 31st and 21. Uh, I hope to see you guys, uh, online and, uh, or out here at Reds. And uh, thanks for listening, and we're going to have a great 2021 fishing season. I'm out.